A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey cuties, I'm Miles Sexton, a content creator, activist, and loud and proud disruptor of the norm. On Our Private Bits, we talk about the things and people that don't get talked about enough, or at all. Trust me, as a sober, HIV-positive, non-binary person, I would know. Join me as I chat with people in my life and from around the world whose stories deserve to be heard. Maybe you'll learn something new, and you will definitely LOL. Our Private Bits is also part of the ACAST Creator Network. All right, cuties, today on Our Private Bits, we have Harrison Brown joining. He was the first out transgender athlete to play professional hockey uh, within the National Women's Hockey League. He also is an actor and has been in films like Nancy Drew, Why the Last Man, and Murdoch Mysteries. He also is a filmmaker and soon-to-be author. Want to say hi? <laughs> hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Ah, I'm so happy we get to connect. Yeah. I feel like... I, I saw you on One Queen, Five Queers, like, forever ago. And I was like, who is this person? I was just, like, so intrigued by you and your story. And I, like, creeped you on Instagram and was like, I need to connect with this person. And, uh, yeah, so I'm so excited that I finally get to have you on the podcast and we get to get to know each other, I guess, yeah. a little bit more today. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. And seeing you also in the second season, that was so, yeah, that was so great. And, like, Brooklyn Heights, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So amazing. What was, like, how was One Queen, Five Queers for you? Like, was that your first time that you've done something like that? Or? It was the first time that I'd done something, like, with, like, a drag queen. And yes. in, that, in that kind of, like, heightened space, I think, being an athlete and coming out through that, I was, yes. it was more, like, hoity-toity, like, interviews and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. this was just so amazing to just be in an environment with Brooklyn where she brought, like, so much energy. Totally. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was it was super fun. It was super fun. Such a fun experience being the first season, too. So, yes. yeah, it was great. It was. It was so cool. I was, like, I was so happy that the show, I feel like, went in the direction that it did where mm-hmm. it was just, like, I feel like it was really having a lot of conversations that didn't get had before, yeah. you know? And, like, really shared, I think, a lot of people's stories that I wished you know more mainstream media would like pick up on mm-hmm. so you know I, I think the show definitely inspired this podcast too <laughs> so yeah, cool. you know I was just I, I, for me anyway it was like the first time that I was really able to like publicly I think share a bit of a my journey mm-hmm. like on such a big level you know so yeah. yeah I think it was it was really really cool so yeah thanks for being here today <laughs> so I guess you know I know sports are something that is such a big part of your life and I guess like I'm curious like what I guess like growing up like were sports always something that you were sort of involved in like what was that journey for you yeah like sports was such an integral part of Mm -hmm. my life like I think when I first started um when I first started like skating I was I was put into like figure skating and things like that with my sister um but I fell in love with the more violent version with hockey (laughs) but I I tried like a bunch of different sports I was a soccer player uh, before that I think that that was my first love was soccer yes and then I started to try hockey okay and then like every good Canadian hockey player uh you had to (laughs) 
kind of di- you kind of had to pick which sport. So I had to really focus on if I wanted to pick soccer, mm-hmm. if I wanted to pick hockey. Okay. Um, so I picked hockey, and I was just obsessed with it. It was I just ate, ate, slept, breathed hockey. And I think looking back on it, it was definitely an escape from having to think of like gender identity mm-hmm. in a way. Like I think like when you're like six or seven or eight, you kind of don't really think about that. But as I got older, I just realized that I really identified with being an athlete. Okay. It's not a gendered term. Totally. And I think like just being like, oh, I'm a hockey player instead of I'm a girl or I'm a boy. And it just played a really big part in finding, I think, acceptance for myself too. And just Mm -hmm. being surrounded by teammates. I think especially hockey, it's such an LGBTQ plus friendly sport on the women's side. Okay. Yeah. On the women's side, like every team that I was on, like past like 16 on was like half the team was gay. Okay, cool. Half the team was straight. So yeah. it was just, I was just filled with like all of these, this eclectic sexuality, gender mm-hmm. identity uh, space within the women's locker room. And I just, it was a space for me to come out. Yeah. Really. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So it, so it did feel safe for you. Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. Very safe. Okay. Was there ever like moments like within it where it didn't feel safe or like, yeah, I think when you're younger, like 12, 13, mm-hmm. I think everybody's trying to figure things out for themselves. Totally. And that's a time, I think, when people really gravitate to trying to be something that maybe they're not or, yes. or they're really copying things in the media. So I think mm-hmm. like 12, 13, around there, people were saying like things like, that's so gay mm-hmm. and calling each other right. like the F word and things yeah. like that in the dressing room. But it was a women, it was a women girls dominated space. Yes. So there was there was some uncomfortability with it. Uh, but I never felt I never felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of cool because I think like hockey is like one of those, I guess, like sports in terms of like what you also have to wear too. It's like it is definitely more of like a masculine. I think like presenting, I guess, like in terms of like the attire part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel was that like was that a part of like maybe something that I gra- you gravitated towards? I think so. Like, yeah. I think when you start out younger, you don't have to show up to games in dress clothes. Yeah. But as you get higher mm-hmm. in what you're playing, if you're playing rep, if you're playing like AAA, junior, yes. things like that, you have to show up to the game dressed up. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And for the most part, girls actually came dressed up as the as the boys would. Yes. Where we would have like jackets, we would have we would have collared shirts, yes. and we would wear ties. I love it. Yeah, That's so interesting. It's a whole other world for me. So. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah. thought about it in a while. Yeah. But yeah, we people would show up in ties, and I think that that was actually one of the first spaces that I was able to express my gender identity mm. in a way that aligned. And then I also think with hockey too, like the actual playing of yes. it, you have equipment on. Yes, you're putting basically armor on. It was mm-hmm. something that I didn't have to think about my body. I didn't totally. have to feel it. I didn't have to look down to a chest. I looked down to like a a breastplate. Yeah, literally of of armor. Yes. So I think that that in itself too, I felt just very strong and very masculine in that space. Yeah, I love it. You know, like I so I grew up in the east coast of Canada, and you know, so hockey is like such a big thing out there, and you know my. My parents were both like they played for like the Canadian team for broomball. So like even Amazing. though it's a different, yes. like not exactly hockey, but like they were very like big into broomball. Like my dad still goes to the worlds like every year. It's like bananas. <laughs> and it's like and so like, you know, my parents like really were like, you know, these professional athletes and like tried to force me so hard to like into sports. Right. And like I, I enjoyed it, but it was never I always felt like for me 
it was such a masculine like space that I had such a hard time like feeling comfortable in it because I was just like my femininity was definitely something that was so much more present and I'll never forget like my first day going to like hockey with my dad and I was just like I just wanted to like figure skate because I wanted to wear one of the glittery outfits (laughs) and I was like fighting with my dad being like why can't I wear like a sparkly outfit like the figure skaters wear and he's like no for hockey you have to wear this and I just remember the whole practice I just like kept going over to like the the glass like to keep the the pucks from going into the the crowd and I was like blowing on the on the glass and like drawing pictures yeah so I like couldn't I was like I, I this is just like not working for me and then I finally convinced my parents to put me in gymnastics because that mm. was like the most like masculine compromise that like they could yeah. they could get for me and I was like but I I think I think that sports there is still this like I think there is a connection to sports with our own like identities and who we mm-hmm. are and how we express ourselves yeah. and I I don't think people like maybe think about that as much maybe or that that, that there, I think there is like this like parallel in terms of like what people gravitate towards so yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree. I think we just had definite opposites, yeah, opposite yeah, totally. desires. Like my mom was putting me in the frilly dresses, and I was like, I want this, I want yeah. this, this hockey skate where I can hit people. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's definitely a way to express and to think about your body and how mm. it moves and and what it looks like, and in a way that you don't really realize until you're older, looking back on yes. it. I think that you're just like, oh, that's the reason why I gravitated to that. That's the reason why I wanted yeah. to wear that because I'm expressing myself and who I am inside through sport. I think it is a really great tool for that. If it's masculine, if it's feminine. Totally. Yeah. It's so true. Like when I, you know, in like gymnastics competitions, I'd have to wear like a, like, I guess like what you would think of like a women's one piece bathing suit. Mm -hmm. And then I would put shorts over top of it. And I remember like, I, I couldn't believe that I got to wear this right. and my parents yeah. couldn't say anything. And I was just like, I remember like every single time, like someone came over to the house, I'd be like, oh, do you want to see my gymnastics outfit? Cause I would just like have to try to find an excuse to like wear something that I thought was so feminine. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I'll, I'll like never forget that. Cause I think that was like such an important piece. I think of like me unapologetically getting to embrace, like I think my femininity as mm-hmm. a, as a child when I wasn't really able to in any other situation. So yeah. Yeah. What, did you have like, was there a, an article of clothing for you at all? I don't or like know. equipment? I don't know. I think, I think I just liked the gender neutrality of mm-hmm. all the equipment. Like there was one time where my, like there's, there's not really many gendered things except for like a jock and a, yes. and a Jill. Yeah. A Jill is like the, the, the yeah, female okay. version for it. And then there, then there's like, so you have your chest protector or your, your, um, your shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. And there are some like feminized ones okay. that have like little pockets for okay. breasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where my dad got me that once, and I was like, ah. I just remember feeling really like I really did not like that. Yes. Um. So I can think of one that I didn't like. Um. But no, I think with hockey, I think I just liked that nothing was gendered mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's beautiful about it too. Right. Yeah. 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 I really appreciate that. So then, like, as you're going on your professional kind of journey, I feel like, you know, getting getting to play on that level of, like, playing for hockey, like, that's that's so surreal. But, like, how did you manage, I guess, like, your own identity as you were sort of, like, going through this, like, professional journey? Because I'm sure there must have been some push and pull, like, kind of there of, like, of, of deciding whether or not you're going to transition or not. Yeah, yeah. I, I think as I got higher with hockey the more the women's side got interwoven with mm. my identity. Yeah. And I think I, I found like 
trans men on YouTube when I was 14. Okay. Like I, I, I knew I was struggling with good old YouTube. I know, I know, <laughs> but I knew I was struggling with my gender identity, mm-hmm. but I just was like a female athlete. Yes. And I saw like these trans men on YouTube documenting what testosterone did mm-hmm. to their body, documenting like their top surgery experiences. And I just remember feeling like I really needed that. Yeah. But it felt like such a distant future for me because I was a hockey player. Yes. And because I was on track to, I think at that time, like I was, I was training very heavily. I, I, I got, I made the under 18 team for Hockey Canada. Wow. And so amazing. yeah, it was so much fun. And we went to Stockholm, Sweden. We lost to the oh. States, but that's, that's okay. You went, but that's, I went, yes. yes. And then, and then I was, I was, uh, I got a division one scholarship to go to NCAA incredible. because professional women's hockey was not in North America was not an option when I first started. So like the main goal for women hockey players was to get a, to get a scholarship. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was like the main thing on my mind. And there's anti-doping protocol in the NCAA. So I couldn't take testosterone. So I had to really just put my gender identity and my desires aside and just kind of go through life as somebody that I wasn't mm-hmm. because I needed to fit into this hockey bubble that yeah. I didn't think that I could be my authentic self and also be a be a hockey player excelling on the women's side. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think people would, people weren't socially transitioning at that time that yeah, I didn't know totally. anybody that was doing that. And I didn't think anybody would take me seriously yeah. if I wasn't on testosterone, if my voice didn't drop, yes. if I didn't have facial hair. Um, I don't have much, but I, it's getting there yeah. now. Get a good mustache. Yes, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Um, but I just was like, I'm just gonna have to wait until I retire to to come out. Yes. And I just kept it kept it a secret. But then the higher I got in hockey, the more media attention there mm-hmm. was, and the more your rosters were publicized, yes. the more that uh, pronouns were used yeah. in like maybe like the school papers and totally. things like that. And I just saw that more and more and more. And it was just becoming harder and harder. And I felt like hockey was my escape and it was mm-hmm. a place for me to explore my yeah. gender identity. And then it started to turn into a cage where I had to fit into the women's side of the sport that I was playing. And it became really hard in, in college. Like it was really hard for me to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel uh, at times. Absolutely. Sure. I think, yeah, trying to battle like, that you know both parts of like trying to honor I think who you are on the inside but also like something that brings you so much joy you know for, mm-hmm. for the most part yeah I, I, I can't imagine and like trying to and make like, a decision yeah and like I was like there's I only have a certain amount of time to play hockey and like there's a finite like four years yeah. to play college and so thinking about giving that up, losing my scholarship yes. to just physically transition it just was not on the table for me totally yeah. so what like what made the final decision? I, I did, I came out to my teammates in college. Mm-hmm. Like I went to the university of Maine okay. and I came out to my teammates there. So I started to socially transition only in my hockey space. Yes. Like my parents didn't know, nobody knew. Okay. And it was <laughs> in the dressing room. Uh, Cause you're called your last name yes. in hockey. Okay. So cool. I wasn't called my feminine name yeah, before. Yeah. So there was just a nice place where I was, my last name's Brown. So I was okay. just called Brownie. Totally. So, so I was like, Hey, I'm still the same Brownie, but like, can you just use male pronouns? Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, for sure. And then it was a space where I could also try out different names yes. too. Like I'd be like, okay, I, I think I want to try Hunter and like Harrison, there was a <laughs> there was a time where I really liked the Hunger Games, and yes. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try Peta. That oh last one was God. so embarrassing. It was so That's embarrassing. <laughs> but I tried that for like two for like two weeks, and yeah. I was like, no, no, this doesn't work. But but I found Harrison and yes. through hockey, and 
I think what changed, it was just, it was just the compound compounding media attention, mm-hmm. then especially with the NWHL yes. being this big, it was the first paid league in, in yeah. North America ever. Wow. So when I made when I made one of those teams, I made yes. the Buffalo Buttes and the media attention was crazy. I played my first season under the wrong name and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I just have to, I don't know when I'm going to be able to physically transition, but I can't keep living this lie. And I can't keep like having my sporting identity and my identity, the outside world yes. being so different. And uh, so I just, I decided to come out my second season playing. Um, but yeah, it, it made me want to quit hockey. Yeah, it did. But I still loved this sport and I wanted to find a way to fit in and, and to keep playing. Mm-hmm. And it was to socially transition and just to understand that maybe people won't understand me. Yes. And if even if I don't look what they think I should look to have a he, him pronoun or something yes. like that, it's my own comfort and it's my own life. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes with aging too. Yeah, like I was, I, was I, I graduated college and I, I came out when I was maybe 22 publicly, mm-hmm. I think was when I came out. So getting that like, getting that confidence, getting that life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really gained the confidence through hockey and being accepted by my teammates as a man yes. within a women's space. So they, they were like they quite were, supportive? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, they were very supportive. The only thing that happened yeah. was I started to grow out my my armpit hair and I started okay. to grow out my leg hair and one of my teammates was really hard on me for it. Oh no. Because hockey, you make fun of each other yeah, all yeah. the time. It's your, it's the for love sure. language. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's called chirping. And yeah. so she would always make fun of my armpit hair. And I'm like, you wouldn't make fun of a cis man's armpit hair. Totally. And it's like, I, I had to explain that in a way. And it was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. I understand. So it was just like some learning, some learning curves and some, some corrections. I think also language within sports too is very gendered. Like, let's go ladies, let's yes. go girls. Yeah. And the team having to kind of work around that too. Mm-hmm. And coaches having to work around that too. Yeah. Um, was was a learning tool for everybody, but everybody was trying their best and mistakes happened. But, yeah, of but course. yeah, it was just a really nice space to feel supported and to feel like people genuinely wanted to understand me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. Did you have to like really like lead a lot of that education like for the people around you or like did? did the people like take initiatives to like try, like, I guess, try to learn themselves? Yeah. So I think when I came out, it was like college. I came out probably like 2013. Mm -hmm. So, Oh my gosh, that's so long ago now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's 11 years ago. Uh, But I came out publicly 
2016. So that's mm-hmm. still a little while ago. And I yes. and I think um, education about trans topics and non-binary yeah. topics was just maybe in its infancy. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know how to properly educate. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what I needed. Um, so there was times where I had to stand up for myself, but especially with the NWHL, yes. I really leaned on uh, the captain of my team. Her name's Emily. Emily. Well, her name was Emily Falzer there. Mm-hmm. She's now Emily Matheson. Um, and she was the captain of the Buffalo Buttes. And I was like, I really want to come out to the league's front office. I don't know how to do this. And so she did it for me. So I like, I like leaned on a lot of my teammates and, and my teammates uh, really had my back to like, if somebody made like a, a a ladies slip up, somebody, somebody would be like, and gentlemen, like, and to be like, we got to support Brownie. Yes. So people had each other's backs. I had my back. That's so amazing. Yeah. So when, when, when that became too exhausting for me, I did really lean on. Uh, I really did lean on like the leaders and like yeah. the people that I re- that I was closest to on the team to do it for me because it's exhausting to have to advocate for yourself constantly. Of course. So yeah, I leaned on my teammates a lot and they were so, so great. Totally. Well, you know, it's very much, I feel like with sports, it's like the pack mentality, yeah. you know, that that is there. So I, I'm so happy to hear that everyone was so like on board, you know, with mm-hmm. that, because I'm sure it's like, you know, I, we look at it now of how people are having just such a hard time with like just pronouns, which is such yeah. a like, you know, not, you know, it's a pretty simple thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it's just like, I, it just fills my heart getting to hear that like people were so on board with like helping to like include that regardless of like what the gender, like the gendered of the sport had mm-hmm. to be, you know, like yeah. I think that that's so cool to hear that. And I don't think people would expect that. I, I definitely no. wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was great. And there was part of me that was like, oh, it's such a burden. I want, I, I don't want them to have to mm-hmm. change their language to la- from ladies yeah. to team and yeah. like gender neutralize them. It's so annoying that everybody yeah. has, to, it's, but it's, you're right. It's not a big deal. No. And, and it's just something to make somebody more comfortable and yeah. to, to be there for your teammates. So yeah, it just makes sense that they did it. Absolutely. It's not a burden. Do you think it would be different for someone like who played on like the men's team like yes absolutely absolutely because like as we were talking about like gender gender roles gender Mm -hmm. identity through sports women's hockey in itself you're already breaking down barriers as a as a female or somebody that is put on the gender roles of what femininity means you're breaking that barrier by playing such a masculine violent sport Mm -hmm. already so um definitely i don't i can't speak to the other side but we all hear so many stories about what's happening in the men's locker room yes. and 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 uh hazing and mm-hmm. things like that and there's a huge reckoning that needs to happen on the men's side so yeah it's definitely not definitely not the same but i think conversations are being had and i think hockey is is really going through a big culture yes, shift. Totally. It has to. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's been come privy to it with all the stuff that's coming out. So yes. I there is there is shift there is a shift in mentality that is happening, but masculinity, toxic masculinity mm-hmm. is still very prevalent these For days. Sure. So there's yeah, it's gonna take a while, but it's 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 moving. It is, it is. So like I guess like for you then, when did you like stop playing hockey? Like what was like, did you like, what what was that like, I guess, like when you finished? Yeah. So I finished when I was 24. Okay. Um, I just won back-to-back 
national yeah. championships. Oh so okay. that was nice. I went out on top. Yes. And I definitely needed a break for yeah. my own self. Like I'd been playing hockey every day for 16 years. Yes. So I just needed to figure out who I was without mm-hmm. the sport. Yes. And step away and just become Harrison. Totally. The we call it a NARP, a non-athlete regular person. Okay. So I was an I was Harrison the NARP. I love it. For a bit. But then I started to miss hockey. Yeah. I, I, I took about like a few months and then I was like, oh, I actually really miss being in this mm-hmm. team environment. And I felt really lost yeah. for a while because I was told what to eat, what to do, where yes. to be. And then I just had this blank slate where I had Whoa. nothing. And so it was yeah, a like pretty no dark. Yeah. yeah, it was a pretty dark time. And I was physically transitioning and like there was just so much change in my life. Um, but then I wanted to get back into hockey and I started to go back with like my female friends mm-hmm. and go back into that space. But I was getting like looks from people that weren't in the change room, but yes. like watching me go into these change yeah. rooms. And I was just like, I don't feel connected to this space anymore. Mm-hmm. And I also started to not feel connected to like my queer community yeah. because I was a lesbian for a really long yes. time. And then I just felt I was, I'm now a retired lesbian. Yeah. And I just felt this huge imposter syndrome um, within that space. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned, men's hockey is not the most accepting totally. space. So I didn't know what what to do. I didn't know where to fit. I didn't think I could go into a men's league because hockey is such a nude sport. Yeah. The ho- the locker room is like one of the only locker rooms that it's like a prison shower. Yeah. Everybody can see each other. There's totally. no there's no curtains. There's yeah. no there's no stalls. It's so interesting. So this sport that like I was a professional in that I that was my entire life, I felt like I didn't belong in anymore. So I still actually haven't played um, on a men's side. Mm-hmm. I still haven't gone back into uh, organized hockey. Yeah. I've just played a couple couple tournaments here and there, but I played with uh, an all trans team. Yes, I love that. Yeah, so that was really fun um, getting back into that. But I do miss the consistency of it. And I do miss like being part, part of like a team that's more than just a weekend. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm still figuring that out and it's still tough. What do you think like needs to change in order to like make these spaces like more inclusive, especially I guess on the, on the men's side? I think it's just really being conscious of language Mm -hmm. because I played in a charity tournament um, and I was in a men's locker room. I just didn't shower afterwards and just felt a little like, but I was filled with like 30, 40 year old men that were, that were very nice. Um, Nobody was, there there wasn't like a air of, of misogyny Mm -hmm. around, but somebody just casually dropped the F bomb in like as saying, that somebody on the other team was annoying them. And yeah. I was just like, this is, that's homophobic. Yeah. This is not an LGBTQ plus friendly place. I don't know if what you're going to, what you're going to say if you see my top surgery yeah, scars. Totally. I don't want to go into a shower when I look, I have a different yes. body than the rest of the people there. Sure. So I was just, I was shocked. Um, but I think it's just being, yeah, being really conscious of language and calling people out and mm-hmm. being good allies because I didn't feel comfortable to to make a stand. I wasn't going to do it. Um, But yeah, and just education at the grassroots. I think like if we can, if we can get kids early on and get them exposed to different types of people, to different ways of life, I think with hockey on the women's side as well, it is a predominantly white, wealthy sport Mm -hmm. on the men's side. It's a, it's a predominantly white, 
wealthy heterosexual side. So totally. you're you're just surrounded by people that are the same as you, mm-hmm. and you're not exposed. So anything different, you're gonna fear it. Yes. But if if kids can grow up playing in not such a homogenized environment, yeah. I think it's really gonna shift. Uh, it's gonna shift the culture, and we're gonna see a lot of changes in attitudes and in the coming decades. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like, I guess to what you were saying earlier as well, like, I feel like there needs to be like a, a regulation change in order to like, allow trans men to like, be able to take testosterone and play the sport, right? So like, yeah, yeah, you can play like you can play it on the men's side. Okay, with being with on testosterone. testosterone? Okay. Yes, but yes. just not on the women's side. There, there actually are some so the, the league that I played in was called the National Women's Hockey League. Okay. And they came out with, I believe it was the first transgender policy in professional team sports okay. when I came out. Oh, wow. They made it. They That's made so it with, cool. yeah, it was really quite groundbreaking. And then they changed their names to the Premier Hockey Federation. Yes. Okay. And a few years later, they came with they came out with an adapted transgender policy. And it was ah. the first time that non-binary athletes yes. were, were mentioned in a transgender oh my policy. God, yeah. yeah. And they talked about how, that trans men could, or non-binary people yes. that are assigned female at birth, yes. could take testosterone. It just has to be in con- in consultation with the yeah. league okay. and in consultation with a doctor. Okay to see what those kind of competitive advantages. um, I don't know. Nobody can see this, but I am doing air quotes right now. (laughs) We'll get into that later about testosterone not being like the magic hormone to make an athlete. 100%. Yeah. But so there there are, but that league is now, uh, it was bought out by the now, it's called the the Professional Women's Hockey League. Okay. PWHL. Okay. There's so many. I know (laughs) my mind is spinning, but they they were bought out. So now there is one league okay. for women professional hockey players, yes. but I haven't heard anything about uh, them taking along that trans policy and that yes. non-binary policy. Okay. So I'm not sure what the PWHL's transgender and non-binary policy is okay. as of now, but the league that I played in did make a more inclusive policy. Well, that's I'm so happy to hear this because mm-hmm. I, I think that's so awesome. And like, you know, it, because I think it does, it opens up such a larger conversation, you know, like, for like, I guess I, I do a lot of talks with like kids and like, you know, talking about being non-binary and it's like uh, one of the most common questions. I think like sports are such a big thing for kids is like, well, which team would you play on? Right. And I'm like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's so it's, I, I don't know what, you know, if I was a non-binary youth, like, it, it, like what I would choose in that situation or like why I, I guess I have to make a choice, but it's like, I don't know. I think it's such a complicated conversation because it's Mm -hmm. like you know are you going to create a non-binary league or or, i don't know like what is the solve in this situation i'm not sure Mm -hmm. you know so maybe it's like a co a co-ed situation or whatever like i don't know so i think it's just like there is obviously like more growth that that needs to happen you know in in these conversations around this but yeah yeah, i don't know what the solve would be (laughs) it's it's tough um I, I'm I'm writing a book right now on trans inclusion in sport, mm-hmm. and we're talking to non-binary athletes as yes. well. And the 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 rate of tra- of non-binary athletes uh, that don't participate in sports yes. because they don't know where they're going to fall in. Totally. Like it's 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 a it's a group that has been left out of the gender binary yes. within sports because that's just the way it's been. That's the way it's been done. It's been broken yeah. up into male. It's broken up into female, and we haven't figured out a way to 
make it more inclusive for everybody. Mm. Like there are co-ed, there are yes. co-ed leagues and stuff, which, which have been really great. And like, especially that the, the younger ages, Yes. but I, yeah, we have to figure out where this arbitrary cutoff is to, yeah. to, to segregate yeah. genders when, totally. when it could just be segregated on skill level. Yeah. 100%. So there, I think people That's are, really yeah, people are, exploring different avenues Mm -hmm. um but again it's still in its infancy it's going to be a long time before we see sports truly be a space that is inclusive for everybody and and is a place that can champion women athletes and stuff like that so there's a lot of there's a lot of room for sports to grow but yeah non-binary athletes is a big big topic right now i love it now before we before we wrap up i want to talk about your book i know you just mentioned it so like what i guess like led up to you wanting to write this book and it's called pink light right oh okay. that's my that's my film oh your film i'm that's so my sorry film. Ah. yes <laughs> oh. the, the book is called let them play let them play i'm <laughs> so, okay i'm mixing them up <laughs> okay so what what led you up to like writing let them play well so i had been approached by a book agent um when I first came out yes. and she was like, have you ever considered writing your memoir? Yes. So I was like, Oh, okay. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So I toyed around with the idea of that had like a proposal worked on that for a bit and uh, we shopped it around okay. um, in the States. And I think like States in the States, hockey isn't that big. And yeah. like, it's, I'm, I'm a Canadian. Yeah. So there wasn't really a market for it to be picked up. Okay. And my sister is a journalist um, so she really likes to write mm-hmm. and things like that. So she knew I was doing that. And I was just talking to her and I was like, I don't, I don't feel passionate about this. Mm-hmm. I, like this process of writing, it's like slog. And yes. I, I just don't know if I'm, if I'm invested enough. Okay. And my sister, when I first came out too, um, she was like, you have the, you have a lot of influence right now mm-hmm. to make a difference in, yeah. and to add more trans voices to this to this narrative and to help help not push but to help people to to help people be exposed to more more uh trans people yes and she was like what if we wrote this together Mm -hmm. because i i think that this is important um so we we went we approached another agent out of uh out of toronto and um, she had the idea that it would be more of like a, a policy working book where it's sprinkled in with my narrative. Mm, but that's a good idea. yeah, but, but but we're talking to to non-binary athletes yes. from all over the world, trans athletes from all the world all over the world. We're talking to policymakers. We're talking to people that actually are opposed to it, organizations that are fighting to stop trans yeah. women from being able to to participate in sports and talking from talking to parents, yeah. talking to young uh, non-binary and trans youth. Um, and it's turned into this amazing narrative and amazing space where all of these voices are being heard. Oh and, gosh. um, yeah, we just handed in our first, uh, draft. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. This is so cool. It'll be, it'll be about, it'll be about a year until yeah. it comes out still, but, of course. but, it, but my sister was really the, the advocate for this and, uh, our agent Carly Waters, yeah came up with this amazing idea and we pitched it and we, we, uh, signed with an editor at a Boston called beacon press. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a year of, of doing this and becoming closer with my sister too. And, um, she's learning more about the transgender experience Mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, it's, it's so necessary right now because sports is such an, it was such an integral part of my life. Mm -hmm. It still is. And I would not be here without sports. I know that for sure. Like it saved, it saved my life. Mm -hmm. It saved so many 
people's lives mm-hmm. from what, who we're talking to. And right now, that life-saving space is being taken away yes. from so many youth, especially in the States. And it's just really devastating. And I was trying to think, what can I do? It was yeah. just such a helpless feeling. And I think the best thing that I can provide is education and and just sharing stories because exactly. I think storytelling is such a such a beautiful way for people to understand things that they wouldn't necessarily be open to learning. Mm. And so that's just what we've what we've come up with. Um, and I couldn't have done it without my sister. So it's just, it's been really really eye opening, um, but a really beautiful experience. Well, I'm so excited for you. And I love that it's like lifting up so many voices and sharing so many other people's stories too. Because I think that that's like, I think that's something that I think sometimes is forgotten is like we are a community and like Mm -hmm. there's so many different perspectives. And like, I think I love that you're using, I think like your influence to bring, you know, this beautiful group of people together to share it in the book. So, ah. So cool. <laughs> where can where can people find you on social media? Yes, people can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. Uh H Brown with an E on the end. Yes, don't the number the, e. the number 24 for my <laughs> it's my hockey number. Uh I don't have a TikTok yet, but I think I, I think I'll make one. So stay tuned for that. But totally. Yeah. And where can they watch your film, Pink Light? Oh yes, we're we're in the process of getting funding for that, okay. so we're gonna li- we're gonna have a Kickstarter there. Okay. Um, but check it out on my Instagram. I'll be posting a lot about that, um, and you can find ways on how to support our our film because it's a it's a very heavily trans and non-binary creative team behind it, <sighs> um, and it's a it's a story about a trans man at two different stages of his life, pre-transition, post-transition. So just uh, and it's a it's a happy story because. Lots of trans stories that we're seeing in the media, especially that focuses on like so transition, trauma. trauma. Yeah. But this is this is a hopeful story that uh, is quite fun as well. So, oh my yeah, gosh, I, think I can't wait. <laughs> Hopefully, it premieres Inside Out or something. Oh yeah, we'll <laughs> <see>. <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're a gem. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's great. Lots of fun. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.